Cape Christian's legacy of leadership and discipleship began long before the turn of the century. From humble beginnings in a small school gym with a congregation of less than 50, Cape Christian has grown to be a powerhouse community of kingdom builders standing more than 4,000 strong. Today, Cape Christian is poised for future growth and development, paving the way for new believers at every turn. We are one church. United for community. United for family. United for growth. We are Cape Christian. United for everyone. Yeah! What is up? Are you guys happy to be in church this weekend or what? Yeah. So good to have you all. So everybody joining us online. And for those of you who are looking up going so confused, what is one of the biggest Nebraska fans of all time? Doing wearing a Michigan jersey. Go blue. Go blue. I took our former youth executive pastor, Joseph, and our current youth executive pastor, Brandon, who are huge Michigan fans, to the Nebraska-Michigan game two weeks ago. We had a great time. We preached at my old church, but we may or may not have had a wager, and I just needed Nebraska to cover the points. Um, and so we did not, uh, but you should also know my shirt said we would have destroyed Michigan in 97, and that will never not be true, so I'm okay with it. Um, plus, my grandpa was a big Go Blue, Go Blue fan, so I, I can handle it. So uh, this has never happened, probably will never happen again. And most of your teams, I would never make that bet against, because even if I lost, I would not wear it up here. Um, so uh, I want to say that. Also, I want to say something on a much more serious note. I just want to address Israel for a real quick minute. First of all, as a Bible-following, Bible-believing Christians, it's important that we pay attention to what's happening in Israel. Those are the Jews. Those are God's people. There's a lot of prophecy that's happening. Um, in light of that, I do just want to say this. What's our, what should our response be, our responsibility first? That we just have to acknowledge that what is happening right now is unbelievably horrific. It's terrible. And everybody loses in war, always. That's never not true. Everybody loses. And what we have to understand is that um, we just should not be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God, when the world acts like the world. And so um, we just need to pray for everybody involved. Uh, you may not know this, but there are actual Palestinian Christians. There are good people on both sides, and there are a lot of innocent people that are caught in the middle of a nasty war. And so let's continue to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done and that he would protect as many people as possible and that um, good would overcome evil. And, uh, and so um, one last thing, just every single time something happens in Israel doesn't mean that Jesus is necessarily coming back. Um, for 4,500 years, there's been uh, conflict in that part of the world. Now, what is true is we're always one day closer to Jesus coming back, and it's going to be the greatest thing ever. So um, just be careful about all the YouTube, Facebook prophecies and people you listen to. Some of those guys mean well. Some of them are literally just making money on clicks. I could do it. It's really easy. I'm not going to. Um, but uh, we don't. Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. Uh, the time or the hour, the Bible says, we don't know. Um, I can't wait for it to happen. We're always closer than we, than we, than we ever have been. But the, the point remains that out, whether it's tomorrow or a thousand years from now, our mission has been... Been the same since Jesus left. 
Go tell everybody about what Jesus has done in our lives. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Love God, love people, and bring people to heaven with us. That's what we'll be doing until the day Jesus does come back, and we're going to continue to pray for that. So that, that would be my response. Um, I, I promise I've studied Revelation. I know a lot of it. I'll tell you, the more I study, the less I'm sure of, other than Jesus is coming back. It is going to happen over there. Jesus wasn't American. He was Jewish. Uh, that also matters. Um, and we're just going to continue to pray for and seek the peace of Israel as well as our own city. Amen? Amen. So that brings us to where we're at today, because our mission hasn't changed since the day Jesus ascended in to heaven, and that's what we're gonna talk about. I wanna give you a little bit of a picture of our history, and I think God has a great word for us today. A little bit of our history is that since the beginning of time, and I mean the Garden of Eden, page one of history, page one of the Bible, since the beginning of, of time, God came, God's desire has been to dwell, to be with his people. He wants us to have relationship with him, and he really wants us to experience two things from the beginning, his power, and his presence, his power and his presence. He wants us to know him and he wants us to be known by him. That's his presence. He also wants us to know his power, that he is capable of things uh, that this natural world can't understand and is not capable of. But ultimately, our ultimate goal, and we've actually talked a lot about this recently, is that we are to know him and to be known by him. And it's never not been the story, even though the context has changed. Real quick Old Testament history. It started out with God putting two people, at least, maybe more, Adam and Eve, in the garden, and he walked with them in the cool of the day. Their mission was to take care of the garden, but was really to be with God. Now, they used their own free will and seized autonomy, thought they knew better than God, and so they had to be moved from the garden. But God didn't stay in the garden, and they left. Guess where God went? He went with them to be with them. And so he made this promise that they would be his nation, and they were vagabonds. They would wander the wilderness. And so they thought, man, we need a place because God is important to us. His presence is important to us where God can come hang out. And so they made this fancy tent called the tabernacle, and they literally would set up three tribes on every side, and God was literally the center. The presence of God, the power of God, was the center of their community, and wherever they went, God went with them. Then, years later, the fulfillment of a promise to establish a nation and a promised land happened in the now nation of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, and what was a tent became a nice big building that became the temple. The temple was a big blown up version of the tabernacle, which ironically had all this imagery from the Garden of Eden. Seven statements that, that connect to Genesis 1, to the tabernacle, to the temple. It's fascinating. We'll talk about it another time. So then Jesus, then God comes to dwell in the temple. There's a holy place. It's fascinating. We've talked about it. Uh, but as they did uh, with their own free will in the garden, they abandoned God. They didn't listen to him. They did everything they weren't supposed to do. God warned them. He loved them. He warned them. He loved them. They found themselves back into captivity, back into slavery in Babylon and Persia until these whispers and prophecy of a new Moses, a new Messiah would come. And so for four or 500 years, they were waiting for a new Messiah. And then God finally kind of just said, you know what? No more temple, no more tabernacle. We're just gonna come be with them, like in the flesh. So God became human in the, in the, in the person of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. We'll talk a lot about that in December. Uh, and Jesus came and he literally, some of you just getting that, yes. Uh, it's like all we're gonna talk about in December. Um, and Jesus came and he was literally fully human, but fully God. And here's what you need to know. If you're new to this faith journey, or if you have all these ideas and concepts of what God is like, I can make it simpler for you. Jesus is what God is like because he was fully God. Jesus, the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the example of Jesus, Jesus was God. And so Jesus is what God is like. Because some of us have these crazy God, the father weird, but we love Jesus. Well, guess what? 
Jesus is what God is like because he's God. And so he came to be with us. The only problem is he bound himself to human confines so he could only be in one place at one time. He actually did a lot of stuff in the three years he got after it. But as fate would have it, he gave up his life and was crucified and resurrected, came to life, spent some time here on earth, and then ascended into heaven. And then the craziest thing happened. And the plan since then has not changed was he said, it's better if I leave, which I think was a terrible idea. Like if I'm with, if I'm with Jesus, he's like, hey, it's better if I go. I'm like, no, I suck and you're here. Like you can't leave. But his plan was that the same spirit that empowered him, that dwelt in him, that raised him from the dead would literally for the first time come and sit in us. And we now would be these miniature ambassadors, these miniature Christ followers, these miniature temples that we would actually host, get this, this is crazy, the presence and the power of God in us. Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, he says this in Corinthians 6, he says, do you not know now that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you receive from God? No more tabernacle, no more temple, I now carry the same spirit. I carry the presence and the power of God. And so that was the plan is that he would give his spirit. We see it happen in Acts chapter two. And now we carry that around. Um, And so now his plan, the story, our story is, how is God gonna get his presence and his power in the the world? How's his kingdom gonna come? He's gonna give his presence and his power, his spirit to human beings We're going to carry it with us, and we are meant to literally be like him everywhere we go. And we actually have, if we have surrendered our life to Jesus, we have the power to pray for people and see healings happen. We have the power to walk people from death to life, depression to joy. We have a power within us, not of ourselves, that is the same power that Jesus did that with. And the closer we get to him, the more we know him, the more we see this happen. It's a crazy idea. And he said, I know. And then his other plan was, we'll just start having these gatherings. A bunch of Jesus followers, they'll get together and we'll lift his name on high and we'll take the sacraments and we'll worship and we'll give and we'll do all these things. And that was the plan from here on out. Because when Jesus was standing outside of a rock, literally the gates of Hades, where they believed the underworld met the overworld, I got to see it in Israel. He looked at Peter, his lead disciple. And in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church, my church, and the gates of hell won't stand a chance against it. When my people who carry my presence and my power come together and lift my name up and start being like me, living like me, talking like me, walking like me, acting like me, we will overcome death, hell, evil. We will overcome all of that because my spirit spirit lives inside of you. And so the church is his plan to get the word out to other people to experience the presence of God. Now, the word church, we have to understand, doesn't mean building, doesn't mean brick and mortar. It literally means the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, uh, which you don't necessarily need to know. But what you need to know is it's actually a gathering or an assembly of believers. And so throughout history, And throughout geography, this gathering and this assembly can and has looked very different. It can look like a small group. It can look like a youth group. It can look like a kid's ministry. In fact, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. And my power is is going to be made perfect even in your weakness. And so we see that throughout history. And one of the beautiful things about the way God is, how big he is, is he always permeates the context in which we give him. And so the gathering 
looks very different in different times in history, even throughout the world. I've gotten to see the church in many different parts. In China, for example, I've been there three times. Their government doesn't allow them to do this, so they have to sneak around and hide out into small rooms, and they change locations, and no one knows. In fact, I was at a gathering where we actually had to split and go because word got out that a bunch of Christians were gathering, uh, and so you won't see lights, and you don't get to put on Facebook, and you don't be like, hey, come visit my church. Like, y'all, you get persecuted legit and thrown in jail. In Africa, they don't have the resources we do. And so often it's these open air gatherings that people will walk from villages and miles away, hopefully under a tree. Um, if you can get a, uh, like four poles and some tin, you have like, you have the church in Africa. In South America, a lot of poverty, uh, Central America, Mexico, I've been several of those places. Usually the, the kids get the outside, the adults get the inside. There might be a fan. Um, there might be a roof. There might not. I remember taking a bunch of college kids to Mexico a long time ago, and we put up a roof. I, I say that uh, loosely. It would not have passed any codes in the United States. Um, but the pastor and his wife were weeping because they said, we've been praying for a roof for our church for seven years. You are an answer to our prayer. And this roof would not have held the water that we get in Florida. But they gathered and they were joyful and they loved. And so the gathering can and look different. And then you have America. And I'm not saying anything about it. I'm just saying we have these amazing buildings and we have, we have like palaces and coliseums and we have parks and cafes and lights and smoke. And, and so God used, my point is the same God uses all of it. I've seen him move in South and Central America. I've seen him move in Africa. I've seen him move in Asia. He moved in the first century, in the fourth century, in the 14th century, and in the 20th and the 21st century. And so God will always, he loves to invite people and demonstrate his presence presence and his power in whatever context that our culture has created. And so it's not a competition. It's God's that good and that's that big. That's our story. And that is awesome, isn't it? Like that's what's really great. And so although the context has changed, the gathering has changed, one thing has never changed, that the power and the presence of God absolutely transforms lives. It will bring you from death to life. I've seen it restore marriages, reconcile relationships. I've seen people go from 20, 30 years of addiction to a pornography or a substance to like absolute free walk in freedom. I've seen people go from depression to joy, from hating themselves to loving themselves. The power and the presence of God does something inside of you that nothing in this created world can ever offer. That has never changed. And the other thing that has never changed is it's actually always been invited to everybody, for everybody. It heals, it reconciles, it sets free, it brings joy, it brings hope, it brings peace. And, and who, is it, who is this message? Who is this God? Who is this presence and this power for? Well, Peter told us in his letter to the church in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this, The Lord is not keep, slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. And here's the heart of God right here. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. What does that mean? That repentance word means to turn away from the things that are destroying our lives and moving us towards the health and the wholeness and the freedom and the healing of following Jesus. Paul wrote something very similar uh, to his young apprentice, Timothy. He said, God wants all people, somebody say all people, to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So who is this presence and power for? Everyone. Everyone. He wants everybody to know the truth everyone to be saved, and he wants no one to perish. Not a black person, yellow person, red person, white person, old person, young person, Palestinian, Muslim, Buddhist, Christian. It, he wants everybody saved. He, and they're all his children. Amen. And they're all made in his image. And if we start there, we treat and love and live differently than, than the way the world wants to divide us. But here's part of the challenge, and here's where we find ourselves living in the tension. First of all, Jesus promised he's going to come back. We already addressed. We don't know when that's going to be, but we're closer than we've ever been. That we do know. Since Jesus walked on earth and came and embodied the fullness of God, 
There's actually been people who wanted to get to Jesus, who wanted healing, who wanted transformation, who needed what he had that actually couldn't get to him. Did you know that? There's multiple stories in the gospel where people needed what Jesus brought, his power and his presence, and they couldn't get to him. In one account in the gospels, he's teaching in a house and they bring all of the sick of the entire region to him. And he basically says, I don't have time. There's not room. I got to go. And so there were people that didn't get healed by Jesus that day. That happened in your gospel, by the way. There's a story where um, he was uh, passing through and there was this tax collector who was kind of the enemy and he wanted to just see and get close to Jesus. There was no room, so he had to climb a tree. His name was Zacchaeus. There's another story of a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and she literally couldn't get to Jesus, so she prodded her way through the mud, crawled, and just swiped that kind of the the helm of his, his cloak, his prayer shawl, to get healed. Regularly, we see that there were people who wanted to get to Jesus or needed to get to Jesus, whether they knew it or not, and sometimes getting to Jesus, getting to experience that power and that presence was a lot easier said than done. And the story I want to talk about and kind of bring to life, and I think the word that God has for us today, is another one of those stories right here in Mark chapter 2. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but the word is already out. Like without Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, everybody already knew. This guy heals people. He talks different. He loves different. He includes people that, that nobody includes. He, he uh, welcomes people nobody welcomes. He heals everybody. It's crazy. And so in Mark chapter 2, we see there was a specific dude who really needed Jesus that couldn't get to Jesus. It says in verse one, a few days later, when Jesus entered again Capernaum, which was kind of home for him, the people heard that he had come home. That's how I know it was home for him. Um, I also saw it this year, so that too. Um, They gathered in such large numbers that what? There was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. So here's the scene. You got a guy who can't walk. He's completely paralyzed. He can't help himself. He can't get to Jesus. But he's got four boys. He's got four homies that are like, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to do what we got to do to get you to Jesus. And so they put him on a mat and they carry him because sometimes we can't get to God on our own. We need somebody to help us get there. Come on, somebody. Most of us got to God because somebody helped us get there. These guys are helping him get to God. And that's who we are and that's who we leave. So they're like, let's go. Well, they didn't know this was the grand opening of Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, pick your favorite, Disney, whatever. Like, oh man, there's been a line since 4.30. We're late. They can't get to the outside. They can't get to the inside. And they're like, snap, like the room's full, all these people. Like, I guess we're not the only ones that heard about Jesus. But these guys, unlike maybe other people in the story, were like, that is not going to keep us from getting our friend to Jesus. And so it says they couldn't Verse four, since they couldn't get him to Jesus, they didn't go, oh, well, we'll try next week when there's another grand opening. He says, because he couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, like you do. Like they were not, they were like, hey, you know what? We can't get in the door. Let's just cut the roof open. I mean, we live in Florida. We are having the funnest time between our warranty and our insurance getting help with this roof. We've seen about everything that exists come through this roof, bugs and water. The only thing we haven't seen is a body. That's like all we're missing and we will have experienced that. And you know, back then it wasn't chainsaws and excavators. It was, you know, it was just brush and stuff. But these guys are like, hey, we're not taking no for an answer. We're gonna put a dead weight on our shoulder up to the top of the building. We're gonna open the roof. And could you imagine Jesus is just talking and the room's packed and he's like, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and there's like a, a man who had seeds and sowed them and, and there's a, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, excuse me, he's about to finish that story. Here's what I love about these four friends. They didn't care. They didn't care. 
They, they, I'm, I'm sure Jesus, whatever you're saying is important, but I got somebody in my life that needs what you have and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get them here. That's why there's 2,000 locks sitting in our lobby with names on them because we try to be the type of church that go, there's somebody in my life, there's one person in my life that I'll do anything I can to get them to know you because they need what you have whether they know it or not. He can't walk here, we carried him. We couldn't get in, so we opened up the roof. And this is the type of church, if I'm gonna be a part of a church, this is the type of church I wanna be a part of. And that's who you are, and it's why we are here. And so he couldn't get him to Jesus, so they lower him down, and Jesus was like, well, I guess we're gonna address this now. I'll be honest, if that happened to me right now, I would stop talking to you, and we would figure out what's going on. So it makes sense to me as a communicator. They lowered the mat on the lying on, and when Jesus watched this, oh, there's so much good stuff, I don't have time to do all this. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? friends. Sometimes you don't have enough faith to get healed. And sometimes you don't have enough faith to get to Jesus. And sometimes you don't have the faith. And you know what? Sometimes it's okay. It doesn't have to be your faith. You just need to be surrounded with some other people who have faith for you when you can't do it yourself. Do you know how many times Jesus healed somebody or did something, not because of their faith, but because of the faith of the people that brought them? There was a centurion who he healed his daughter. He's like, your daughter's healed. Your faith is amazing. There's this narrative like, oh, I just don't have enough faith. If you've ever been felt, oh, I just don't have enough faith. You know what? Jesus understands what it means to not have enough faith. Just hope you have somebody in your life that has a little bit of faith for you, that knows if you can get to Jesus or they can get to the throne room for you, I believe a miracle can happen in their life even if they don't get to Jesus. So if you've, if you've never had enough faith, get in a group. Get, get, yourself, get yourself a couple people that have some faith when you can't have some faith. I know there was a time in my life I didn't have faith and my grandma got me to the other side. My praying grandma. She had enough faith for all of us. Now she's with Jesus, which is deserved, so now I have to have my own faith. <laughs> Watch this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, you seem like a very intelligent person. <laughs> we went to great lengths to get our friend here. He's heavy. <laughs> we couldn't get in the house so we climbed up on the roof. No big deal. We work out. We opened up the roof. I know you saw that part. And we dropped him at your lap. We would think at that point it would be apparent what this guy needs. <laughs> if he could walk, he probably have jumped over some folks, pushed him around. He's not that nice of a guy. He would have pushed his way in. What you just said is cool and all, but that's not really what we came for. See, here's where Jesus is the best. Sometimes we come to Jesus thinking what we know we need, but he really knows what we really need. We came for him to get paralyzed, to be unparalyzed. We came for him to be able to walk. We came for him to be able to heal, to be able to be whole, to be able to be set free. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually there's something he needs way more than that. Because see, y'all people, y'all, y'all obsessed about the outside all the time, how it looks and how it feels and the marriage and the money and that matters. But see, what you don't know is if you don't fix the inside first, the outside's not gonna matter. And so what Jesus did is what Jesus does. And this is what I love. He didn't be like, well, you fools, you don't know what he needs the most. He's just like, let me take care of business. And he says, boom, your sins are forgiven. And everybody did what you would expect. They're like, hmm, watch. <laughs> now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, <laughs> see, I would have been one of those guys. Uh, who does he think he is 
Only God can forgive sins. No one forgives sins but God. And then I love this. And then immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? And then he goes to this, which is easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. Is this a trick question? <laughs> Both sound super hard to me. I can't do either. <laughs> I can't forgive anybody's sins. And I don't know outside of God doing some stuff, like I can get somebody to go, up. I've prayed for it to happen. It's not happened yet. I've seen some healings, but that's, I've not seen that. And he says, hey, what's harder? To forgive sins? What's more important? What's harder? To work on the inside of the heart first or to take care of the peripheral exterior stuff? Because I could fix his legs, but if I don't fix his heart, it's not going to matter. I can fix your finances. I can get you the promotion. I can make you a little bit more happy. I could probably get you a boyfriend. I could maybe even help your marriage a little bit. But if I don't work on you first, wherever you go, there you are, and you're going to repeat the same thing. So I'm going to fix his legs. I know what, listen, I got it. <laughs> but I have an order to things. And sometimes what you want or what you think you need isn't the ultimate thing you think you need. You want a quick fix. And he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna do this from the inside out. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. And that man experienced a transformation, the same transformation you can experience if you will give your heart to Jesus and you're gonna get a chance to do that in 15 minutes. Some of you have already experienced it, some of you haven't. And then this is where just Jesus is awesome. He goes, which is harder? Which is easier, to say sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk? And then he goes, but I just need you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he's like, just so you know, I can do that. And then he goes, oh, by the way. So he said to the man, also, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. So he's like, I got it. I know what you need on the outside. I know the marriage. I know the finances. I know the depression. I know the anxiety. I know the trauma from your past. I know the addictive behaviors. I know the alcohol. I know the pornography. I know what you were exposed to. I got it. But I'm telling you, if I don't do the inside first, the outside ain't gonna matter. But oh, by the way, we'll fix the outside too. <laughs> I love this. this you got, I wish you could all read the Bible through my lens. And then, he, and then it says, he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of all of them. If I'm the dude watching all this, he's like, I'm out of here. This is about to go down. Like, we're out. Like, we'll, we're like, it, like, it says he picked up his mat and he walked out in full view of all of them. He's like, these guys don't like each other. I don't know what's happening in this house. I can walk. I'm going to get out of here. Me and my boys will celebrate later. This is about to go down. I don't want to be a part of this. And he walked out. But the whole point was that he forgave his sins. And then it says this. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying... We've never seen anything like this. We, we ain't never seen nothing like this. As my friend Chris from the Bay Area would say. what Jesus do? He took care of the inside. And then he took care of the outside. See, at a different point, Jesus said, you guys obsess about the outside, but if you will just wash the inside, the outside will cleanse itself. You don't have to try harder to be better. You need a heart transformation. You need a heart transplant. You can't do better on your own, but if you allow God's spirit, if you allow what? His presence and his power that was with us in the garden and with us in the tabernacle and with us in the temple and with us through Jesus and is offered to us through the Holy Spirit when we surrender our life to Jesus, if you'll experience that, you will actually experience his power and you can walk this thing out and you can clean the inside and he'll transform you. Stuff you used to not be able to do, you can do because you're putting your faith in him and not yourself. He cleaned the inside, then he took care of the outside. And so we have this story. And what, here's what, a couple things I'd never thought of. I already said one of them. Something else occurred to me as I was putting this story together this weekend. If there were that many people in the house and there were that many people outside of the house and based on the times I saw that other people couldn't get to Jesus, 
I can't help but wonder how many other people were outside the house that never got to Jesus that day. I bet there were some other sick people. I bet there were some other people with leprosy, blind people, lame people, birth defects. That couldn't have been the only guy that day that was like, God, I need Jesus to heal me. He was just the only one that got there that day. And so we see even in the gospels, there's people who want to get to Jesus. There's people who need to get to Jesus. There's people who desperately need his presence and his power. And for whatever reason, they can't get there. Maybe it's their own decisions. Maybe it's somebody else's decision. Maybe it's something they didn't ask for. Maybe it's something they were born with. But you know what I love? To Jesus, it doesn't really matter. He's like, I'm, I'm here for everybody, but we have to be the ones to make room for it. And what I love is that this guy had four friends that were like, we're gonna do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. That's what we want to be the heart when we say every, we want everybody to have one person they're praying for, inviting to church, reaching to try to reach for Jesus, telling what Jesus has done in your life, that type of heart, that type of tenacity. And so that's, that's the story that God wants to come in. He wants to fix our inside. He wants to take care of the outside. But there's people trying to get to Jesus that can't. And, and truthfully, why I'm telling you this story, where we're at, what's happening in our faith community, what's happening is, is the stuff you hear stories and write articles and books about. Our house, our church right now, we're kind of like the house in the story. There's just not enough room. It's hard for some people to get to Jesus. We've known this for a while. We've been at this for like four years. And so I just, I came to just be straight with you at, on the back end of this because that story is true. But I'm telling you, we are in the fastest growing county of America, two years running. And there are more people running from something or looking for something here. And I think what they don't know is that they're looking for Jesus and they need some people that will be willing to, to say, hey, I know, what, like, look, we, I'm gonna carry you here. But we got to have room for him. Even when Jesus went to heaven, he said, hey, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. And so here's the truth and the reality. For four years, we've been talking about expansion and we've been talking about growth and we've been talking about all this. And so we are officially like moving forward. It is happening. We have been talking about this since 2019. 2019, we started researching and hiring church growth and all kinds of, we did all kinds of consultations and interviewed all kinds of builders and, and we landed on a church building company that help, it can help us expand our capacity. And so in 2019, we did a series called For Everyone. For all the same reasons we said today, like Jesus is for everyone, we don't have space for everyone. I think back then we only had like four services, that was so easy. <laughs> like vacation. We did a four-week series. We did 17 vision nights in 21 days in, in, in houses and in, and in uh, like clubhouses. And some of you were there and, and a bunch of you weren't. And then we tried to raise a bunch, of million, uh, a bunch of money so we could expand our capacity. And we got pledges and we raised money. And it was the biggest pledges and the most offering we ever had. And we had this celebration plan. And we were ready to come to church. And COVID shut the world down the next week. You've got to be kidding me. So for two years, rather than raise money or think about a building, we just took care of people and do what we do and help our city and take care of people. And, and then as God would have it, more people came and more people grew and here we are and we added another service. And then about this time last year, I'm like, okay, we gotta do this, it's time, let's go. And then Ian visited us. Kill me now. No, for real, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And so we did what we do. We helped our city and saved our city and our mayor and our governor were like, good job. And Hundreds of people every day were like, we've never been here before, but we were told this is where to come to help people. And a couple thousand of us gathered at the, we did a service out by the fountain. I'm like, I don't know if anybody's gonna come. Turns out they all came, y'all came. And then when we opened back up, we had to add another service, which is so easy, doing six services. So everybody thinks we're completely crazy, by the way. This is normal to you. Everybody thinks we're crazy. And so here we are. And so um, we, have, we have in the works, just so you know, we have had a plan for four stinking years to not do this. And what I mean by this is this much. We, 
We know that we have a capacity problem, and so we are, we are launching, relaunching, rebooting completely our For Everyone campaign. What is For Everyone? It is us raising money and inviting people into a faith journey, both and, so that we can finance the kingdom. We wanna build a facility that, will, that can facilitate the ministry here in the house because what we're doing isn't working. Just so you know, this room is used six nights a week. Tuesday, the men use it. Wednesday, the youth use it. Thursday, the women use it. Friday, the women use it. Friday, we do service run through. Saturday, we do services. And Sunday, we do services. And usually, there's a funeral or a wedding in here on Sunday. Saturday before we do services. Monday, we just figured we should take one day off. We have, currently, we have six services. We have between 4,000 and 4,500 people weekly that call this place home. You can't put 700 people in this room. We have a chapel campus over there. We have a tent campus over there. We have like five campuses and we only have one campus. We just currently settled on somewhere between 12 and 16 Christmas services this year, depending on how many registered. We had 7,000, over 7,000 last year. We could have 10,000 this year. You clap, we die. And then you're all like, why don't you guys open next week? Because we're still napping. <laughs> and we love it. We have a thousand people on serve teams, but I think all of us could agree, you guys gotta be tired of sweating on each other, sitting on each other, going, can't go to this service. Now they asked me to move to Saturday. Now they asked me to move to 5.30. Hey, will you go out to the tent? Hey, can you park at the property next door? Do we have permission? Don't worry about it. We got golf carts. Like, that's just what we're doing. Like, this is crazy, and it's a blast. Because our mission has never changed. Go tell people about Jesus. Let's bring him to him. And we're not gonna stop. And heaven doesn't have a capacity problem, but we do. And so we have a proposed building that will be adjacent to this building, will be connected to this building right there that will seat 1,300 seats. This will be an overflow, youth, all the extra special events, men's, women's. It'll facilitate not only what we need for ministry, but our city has said Cape Coral needs a facility to the side. Our schools have said, man, if we could get more than 1,000 people in a room, that would be awesome. And so once again, we are going to do what not just Cape Christian needs, but what Cape Coral needs so that we can see more people come to know Jesus and we can be what our city needs. And so rather than tell you about it, you can see this is what it looks like. For almost four decades, Cape Christian has existed to reach people who don't know Jesus and help them discover who God has created them to be. We already have a wonderful campus, but the addition of a new worship space will increase our capacity not only on the weekends, but on the weekdays as well. The new spacious entrance will create an inviting atmosphere with enough space to accommodate our regular attenders and first-time guests, as well as host many other community events. The spacious lobby will have plenty of room for people to sit, relax, and connect with each other, as well as provide additional space for discipleship or group discussions. Enjoy a warm cup of coffee from our coffee bar and fellowship with your family and friends. Our current worship facility will be repurposed with our students in mind and will provide more space for this growing ministry as well as provide us with a multi-use facility throughout the week. During our weekend worship experience, the space will feature cutting-edge technology in audio, video, and lighting, creating an immersive worship experience, and we'll be able to accommodate additional events, allowing us to truly be a center for our community. 
This new facility doubles our capacity on the weekends and will give us the ability to welcome more people into our worship experience and increase our ability to impact thousands of people with the life-changing love and power of Jesus Christ. Join us as we continue to make Cape Christian a church for everyone. Yeah, so exciting. And, and I don't think I need to convince anybody we need this. Like, we, we need this. If every single one of those locks came in in the next three months, we wouldn't have room for them. We wouldn't know what to do. There's not room. And so you'll see we have lobby space. We have worship center space. Uh, we can still make it feel intimate. We've worked with everybody, our board. We've had committees. We've had building committees, finance committees. We've been working. We've made it exactly what we need. And so here's the, the, the other fun part about COVID and all that is that um, the supply chain issues, building costs, interest rates, inflation, it's all just gone up. It's so awesome. Praise God. <laughs> and so... Here's where we're at, and here's what we need. We want to break ground in February. Uh, we, we are ready. We're all in on this, but I'll just tell you, it's going to take all of us. We need everybody to be a part of it. And so we, we did this in 2020. We originally set out to raise $12 million, and what happened is we ended up with $4 million pledged. Well, since 2020, that building is now $21 million. Now, I'll tell you that we're optimistic we can get that down a little bit, but we're going to go with that number because we just want to be really, really prepared. So... Pledges, we have $4 million in pledges received to date. We're going to need $21 million over the course of the time to do it. We already know what we can afford to borrow, um, and we found a financial institution that we can get a loan from, but they also need to see good faith pledges. And so while we've received $4 million in pledges, if we want to break ground in February, we actually need $10 million in pledges, which means we need in the next three months to show them that we have people that have committed another $6 million minimum over the next two years. And so that's the pledges. That's the faith card. That's the promise. That's the pledge card that we have a for everyone wall right out of our lobby to the right, kind of adjacent to the bathrooms. It has all the information, video. You can't miss it. Um, and so we need $6 million in pledges, but almost more important or urgent than the pledges is the amount of cash. While we've had $3 million, uh, $4 million pledged, we've brought in $3 million in cash. Some of that's already been spent. So we've brought, you know, we've already got three of the $21 million. We're on our way, and we're so grateful for that. Many people have given um, but because of how expensive everything has gotten, we now need to even put a down payment to get the loan. 14 million is the most we're comfortable borrowing to be good stewards of our finances. And so we need to have 7 million cash by Christmas. Praise God. <laughs> if you're not good at math, seven minus three is four. So we need $4 million cash by the end of the year if we want to break ground in February. And so that's really what we need. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in a couple weeks. I'll kind of break this down a little bit more for you. Also, we've had uh, ice cream socials, banquets, dinners. We're going to have an open house uh, on November 2nd, Thursday night, just for you guys to ask questions, to see more of that. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to ask. And we're asking everybody to pray and ask what God would have you do to be a part of it. Because when you break down the amount of people we have and the money we need, it's actually quite doable. And I'm really excited, excited to see what God's going to do. Our, arguably, the, maybe the most important part of this is that this is a compassion-first campaign. What does that mean? That means that the first 10% of everything that we raise for everyone goes directly to ministry partners and missions. And so when, and when you're giving to for everyone, you are also giving to all of our ministry partners, all of our church plants, all of our missions, and you are helping us fund the gospel in other areas. That's what next week is going to be all about. You do not want to miss next week. It's going to be unbelievably inspiring. And so what does that mean? What's the ask? We're asking everybody to pray about and think about for two things. What could me and my family or what could I do over the next two years, 2024 and 2025? What could I pledge, first of all? And secondly, how much of that could I give 
by Christmas this year. And so everybody's gonna get a pledge card. They're available digitally. They look like this, but in the middle is the part I wanna highlight. That first is I will contribute a first fruit gift. That's the money we're trying to raise so that we can purchase the loan so we can break ground in February. And then my two-year pledge will be, so if you say, hey, we could give 100,000, but we'll give 20,000 up front, you would pledge 100,000 and then you would say we're gonna get 20,000. That will help us to know when we go to our financial institution and the builders, hey, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's get out the excavators. Let's bring in the crew. Let's get this thing done. Let's see God do this. And so that is just the, the nuts and bolts of where we are at. And I'll tell you this, it's gonna require faith from all of us. In fact, I had a really good friend came last week and said, we challenge us to dig some ditches. We gotta dig some ditches. We gotta create some space. And God is, I think he's asking all of us to dig ditches. And he's like, I'm gonna fill it. You just need to trust me. And so I need all of us to go, God, what's my part in this? Some of you, God's gonna ask you to give sacrificially. Some are gonna give out of your abundance. Uh, we'll talk about some of that uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll also have, that's what those ice cream socials and open houses and, and some of these dinners are for. We've been having dinner since May uh, again as well. And so I'll just tell you this. There's not one person on our staff that wants to raise money. There's not one person on our staff that wants to build buildings. But everybody on our staff will do whatever it takes to reach more people who don't know Jesus. And so if this is it, we're in, but we need all of us to do it because the church was never about one person, one leader. It was about all of us, the gathering, the assembly, doing what we could to come, some, come, come hungry, but bring something. Because there are a whole bunch more people in our city that need Jesus, need somebody to get them to Jesus, need room for Jesus so he can come in and do what he does. More people like RJ and Beth. It was about three years ago when our marriage kind of hit rock bottom. Uh, we seemed in a desperate place and divorce was the next logical step. Our kids were in daycare here at the preschool, but we were coming to church when it was convenient, not as a top priority. We got to a point where we thought we were gonna get a divorce. And then one day I kind of heard a voice that said, what if it doesn't have to be like this? What if there is hope? And that's really when we started coming regularly and, and making it a priority. So I started coming to men's group and it was just an amazing place where I was able to meet and connect with people and find out that others were praying for me and the times that I was going through. And then I joined the First Impressions and then the Beloved Events team as well because I did start going after I saw, I think the difference it was making for RJ to have that community and have that time to just really build his relationship both with God and with people at the church. When we started serving, the kids would see us and it was every weekend we try to do at least one service. They asked if they could serve with me on that First Impressions team. Jordy gave them their red shirts and they proactively come to me and say, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? Pastor Brian has talked about how the things that we can do can change generations. And so I try to take that to heart. I like seeing the kids see us serve and, and be part of it. Our life now, I think, is better than I could have imagined for us. It's more fulfilled. It has meaning. And I feel like we're really becoming the people that God created us to be. So if there's anybody that is here that finds themselves in that same situation where they feel like what they're currently doing is not working, reach out. There are people here that want to help. They are on the other side of where you are now or might have similar stories that you just don't know. Making connections with people and then from there being able to have the opportunity to serve a church with some of those same individuals and start making friendships and connections. Taking those steps to get involved, a game changer for us.
We, we literally hear stories like that every week. We literally hear stories like that every week. We also hear stories that I'm not inviting anymore. We don't come anymore because there's no space. So we're just trying to solve that problem. And so two things that I would just say. We're gonna, we're gonna, we've, I kind of airmarked December 2nd, 3rd for the time we're gonna take the offering and bring the cards in. You can bring it in anytime, but we've airmarked that. So you have some time to listen, ask questions, come to a social. But I'd love for you to start asking God, what's our part in this? Some of you, I think God may put something on your heart that's beyond what you would imagine, but he's asking you to step out in faith. But the whole purpose we're doing this is so people can experience the presence and the power of God. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't know him personally, you need to know that the reason we exist is so that you can come to know him. The reason we're doing all this is for you. And so not, not interested in your money, I just want you to consider allowing Jesus to be the center of your life. So the last song we sang was this song called He'll Make a Way. And so I asked him to come back and just sing just like a verse of that. And I just wanted to give you a minute to just create space and think about these two things. Number one, God, what would you begin to put on our hearts about what's our role in this for everyone campaign. We're asking everybody to invite everybody to pray, everybody to give. But also, if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, if you decide that you're gonna follow Jesus, that he takes you from death to light, that you will be transformed. And as this song plays, I would invite you to maybe behind a screen or in the service, say, make that decision. I'm gonna follow Jesus. Jesus, come in. I need your presence. I need your power. I'm experiencing the darkness, the evil. I can't get out of it. I'm bound. And I need what he's talking about. And as we sing this song, you can make that decision as well. They're going to sing. I just wanted to give you a second to have space. And then I'm going to come close in prayer. Desi. You make a way. You always make a way. You will make a way. You always make a way. You will, you will make a way. You always make a way. You will make a way. You always make a way. Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing's too hard for you. Impossible is what you do. And I know you've got this too. Impossible is what you do. Nothing's too hard for you. Impossible is what you do. And I know you've got this too. Impossible is what you do. You will make a way, you always make a way, you will make a way, you always make a way. And so God, that's our prayer. Last week, we were challenged that if we want you to do what you can do, we got to do what we can do. And so we're asking you to make a way. Make a way for people to come to you. Jesus, we don't want it to be hard for people to come find you in our city and in our church. So we're asking you to make a way in our lives, make a way in our darkness, make a way in our sin, make a way in our church, make a way in our community. 
make a way to build this building. God, only you could do it. God, I pray for anybody here who has never made the decision to put their faith in you, that in this moment, right now, at the sound of my voice, there's something inside of them that knows that this is what they've been waiting for their whole life. And they would say yes to Jesus in this moment, that you would make a way to their heart and transform everything. We thank you that, God, sometimes when we don't have the faith, somebody else can have the faith to get us there. Thank you for being a way maker. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, before you go, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never said that prayer, we want to walk this through with you. We want to connect with you. We've made it really easy. We would just love for you to get your phone and text KPS to 94,000 on your way out. Every weekend, people are saying yes to Jesus, and we want to make sure you get all that there is out of that. Also, you might have some other stuff going on in your life, and you need prayer. We have a ministry team in our prayer room that would love to pray with you. Otherwise, I'm excited just to see what God's going to start doing next week. I think you're going to be so blown away and inspired by what you hear. I hope you'll come, and as crazy as it sounds, I hope you'll invite and bring somebody with you. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week.